Boating etiquette is changing fast. Disgrace at the cigarette boat company. Less strikes and more fish. The debate about jumping tarpon. And the fish count dilemma. Captain Norm unites with his original tow rail guy. And heads up about a trivia episode. All this week on the Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, and welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. We have ranting Norm Beckoff in the studio with us. Norm? Jeff? Thanks for coming in. <laughs> I'm, already, I, I'm already feeling better that you're here. I, I, barely, I barely made it. What do you mean? Well, you see what you're loading up right there? The old, rum and Coke? I'm so, well, I... I wanted to start the podcast uh, off, yeah, with rum and coke. Yeah, well, that's and then I was like, I was like, oh, no, maybe Norm will have one with me. So before you, I'm not going to let you bring me down. I'm going to pour my rum and coke now, and then I'll let go you. ahead. So anyway, I want to. I'm, I'm happy to have you do it. Plus, I'm going to have some news about rum coming up here. Come on, you followed up. Let's just say I might have some news about rum. But anyway, okay. I wanted to start the podcast off with a rum drink. And I think starting it off with a rum drink might just make the finale that much better. <laughs> so, Dak, I couldn't, you, you couldn't do a rum drink with me? You know, I got to tell you something. I did one last night. One? I did, well... I might have had more than one. Are you the hungover today, Norm? I'm a little, I'm a little hurting. <laughs> just like, just like Bocephus says, and the hangovers hurt more than they used to. <laughs> well, you know, there's nothing wrong with sporting a decent hangover as long as you can perform at a high level with a hangover. I, you know what, and you know that's the difference between this generation and you know the younger folk. They, they, just, they, they just, couldn't do they it. They can't do it. They would use it as an excuse. They can't do it. The only difference between what I can do, what I can and cannot do now, is sleep. Okay? okay. That's the difference. It is. Because when we were younger, we used to go out and party all night, you know, maybe crash for an hour, wake up, fish the next day. Right. Hungover or even still drunk. Whatever it was. Okay? And... The kids these days, no, they can't do that. It's, it's, it's spring break. It's, impo- it's important to be able to perform at, at a high, high level. At all times. At all times. Without any excuses. So, I mean, if you're going to, you, you know, you're going to hoot with the owls, you got to soar with the eagles. <laughs> did you notice the cup that I was... I did. You poured it in Spooner's Bay. Yeah. Did you see Skipper? He's killing it down there in Mexico. I have seen that. I've been yeah. watching his posts. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I did this with Lamont for the last... 40 years. See, Sosin, <laughs> Sosin gave me a book when we were kids, right? And he signed the book. You Aren't know. you lucky? No. So Sosin signed the book. Sosin. And, um, <laughs> Mont was all fired up. He was fired up about Sosin? Yeah, because he wanted, um, he was excited that Sosin signed the book, except he signed it to Jeff, and it said nothing about Chip or anything. So then I took the book back to I took the book back to Sosin, and let I me says, guess, he was hanging out with Larry Green. I'm not getting into this, uh-huh. but <laughs> I took the book back to Sosin, and he wrote on the book, oh, "My best buddy and Lamont too." Oh God! <laughs> so anyway, 
of feel that way about the. Um, That's awesome. I kind of feel that way about the Spooner's Bay Cup. No, I appreciate you sharing it with me. Well, it's kind of like Lamont with the old Sosen thing. Yeah, yeah. So now every time you come over here, you can <clears throat> watch me sport the old Spooner's Bay Cup. Did I tell you? Did I ever tell you my Sosen story? No. I'm anchored up in the hot water canal when we could still fish there. Okay? Right. And fishing's terrible. And uh, here comes Sosen in a guide boat. I don't know who he was with because he, ne- he could never fish by himself. He always had to have a guide. <laughs> don't and, start. Don't start. Uh, it, you know. So at any rate, so he anchors up like right next to me. You know, I'm on the south side of the canal. He's on the north side of the canal. And they start freelining baits back there. And there's, there's nothing going on. His camera boat comes out. Camera boat sets up on anchor, on a release anchor, just up current of him, okay? And a guy in the well craft comes out of the dry marina, you know, the dry, the old dry marina that was up there? Yeah. Guy in a well craft, like a 380 well craft, comes out of there, snags the anchor rope of the camera boat, and drags him out of the canal. Oh, nice. Okay, and I'm howling, laughing, you know, I mean, just belly laughing. Ah! Right? And I said to Mark, I said, hey, Mark, I, I guess we're not going to see that next weekend on ESPN Sports now, are we? No, son, I think we're going to have to edit that one out. <laughs> he was so serious about his recordings. I think, I, think, I think when YouTube came out, I think it crushed guys like Sosin. They were all like, you know, so into their friggin' so into their... The so thing seri- about Sosin, so, so now you serious. got me started. Go ahead. The thing about Sosin is, is he always he always pissed me off because one of the one of the things, and he had a good show, but one of the things that he said in every show was, "You can do this. This is something that anybody can come out here and do." Meanwhile, he's catching bonefish in Biscayne Bay, okay, or he's catching tarpon in Miami. This is anybody can come out here and do this. Right. All you need is this, this, and this. Yeah, right. That's why you fish with a guide every single trip. Dude, those were the days. No. Those were the days of sponsorship. Which one? Whatever which? Whatever, whatever, sponsors Sosin had, they would tell him to say this. Okay, this is going to be the narrative. Be positive, blah, blah, blah. Then mm-hmm. YouTube came out. Mm-hmm. And then. That was it. Totally blew, took, blew everything up. Totally, We totally took a piss on everything. If, and I'm not saying it's good or it's bad or yeah. it's indifferent, but it's just the way it was. Yeah. If you had to line up all of your old school uh, fishing celebrities mm-hmm. and tell them to go and fish without a guide, yeah, which one could catch fish? Peter Miller could, and George Gods could. I said old school. Dude, George, George, and Peter. George and Peter are captains. Right, I'm talking See, about these goofs. That had their own shows. Like way like, back? Like, like way back? Way back. I'm talking... Well, some of them were goofs and some of them were not. Well, but, uh, Wahebi had a show. He was good. Huh? He, is Wahebi old enough? Wahebi is old enough. All right, so Wahebi Okay, but he show. was also a charter guide, too. Yeah. I'm talking about non-charter guys that had their own shows. And they always... They, and they traveled all over the place. Yeah, none of them. Okay. None of them. None of them. At least... <sighs> But that's not fair either, because some maybe maybe the guy, the host of the show, like the Gowdy dude, maybe he Trey Gowdy. Yeah. Oh no no no! You mean this old man, 
Kurt Gowdy. Any of them. I'm just saying, you know, yeah. I'm just using them as an example. Trevor Gowdy. Yeah, they're into like streams of Montana and stuff. And then what came yeah. to the saltwater and did right. their thing. So Yeah. But for a guy to just go out there and say, Oh, well, you two can do this. Yeah. Anybody can do this. That's, no. That was T V. It just cheapens what guys like you do. What yeah, I do. That was T V. That's why T V yeah. was T V. And whoever was on TV or in the magazines, they got the juice. Now it's different. No. Now it's a lot different. No. But anyway, how do you like my hat? I didn't even look at it. That's what the, does it say? That's Juju Castnets. Oh, Juju, Juju, Juju Castnets. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of like gangster style fishing. It is kind of gangster. I mean, you know, not gangster. Gangster is different. That's gangster. And if it was really truly gangster, that'd be a flat brim. But I like the logo. It's really cool. Right. It's cool. Yeah. Right? I'm sporting the piss yeah, out of that this yeah. week. He took he took a picture or some pictures. Well, Jim Hayes was in town and fished for three days. I saw that. Caught some serious fish. His yeah. buddy got one that was. I don't even know how big these fish are, but all I can tell you is in the top ten percentile of all the of big fish I've ever so caught. So one forty, one fifty. Yeah, huge. Yeah. And um, Mike Grimm comes up and he's freaking, of course, got the camera out, and he was gracious enough to take some great pictures. Yeah. And he understands spot dealing technology, so the pictures actually were really good. Yep, I saw the angles. Right. The angles were just right. Grim did a good job on that one. Yeah. Yeah. He, he learned from the master. Yeah. About spot stealing technology. <clears throat> now, let me tell you something, though. He's missing the boat. He's totally missing the boat. Why? Okay. Grim should be on the rocks filming people doing stupid things at Hallover. <sighs> Those guys are killing it. Grim's got his own agenda. He's not. He's not doing that. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Me too. C- to be honest with you, I, I, I don't know what to make of it. There's so many people that are trying to get IG famous by doing stupid things with really expensive boats. All right. Speaking of boats. Yeah. Because you, you and I like talking about boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and this is hard for me to even bring up, but I'm going to bring it up because just when you can't think, the bar can't get any lower. Mm. Did you know Cigarette is doing a jet ski now? What? Cigarette Boats, the brand, whoever yeah. owns Cigarette now. They sold out to the devil. They didn't sell out to the devil. They totally ruined. Lowered, they lowered the bar. They ruined. And, <clears throat> and They could stop tomorrow and maybe they may get some forgiveness. But they ruined the brand just like that by coming out with a Wave Runner jet ski personal watercraft cigarette. Are you kidding me? Is it is it just a like a like a super fast jet ski, or is it something different? Is it something that changes the market? I have no clue. All I know is they're sporting the piss out of jet skis. The brand cigarette. Sure. The brand that we grew up on, Don Johnson, the yeah. most the coolest thing. All the yeah. hot chicks. The yeah. first G strings I ever saw were Absolutely. on cigarette boats. All the dudes that had cigarette boats were the most successful drug dealers uh-huh. that wanted to mix with the most successful companies, well, and they were all down here, and it was all about high-end. And they were and it was all at Shooters every weekend. And it was about flat. Wrapped it up, five and, deep. And it was about flash. Yeah. Hot chicks. Yep. Friggin' expensive, it was South Florida. expensive drinks back then. I mean, they were buying yeah. rounds for everybody. Drinks were three fifty dollars apiece. Friggin' big dudes, gold chains. All of it. Yep. The athletes. Everybody. Everybody. And they all wanted to identify with cigarette because it was the coolest, yep. the highest end, the most macho brand. On the boat every weekend. Yeah. 
And I never in a million years would have thought that cigarette would lower the bar lower than it's ever been lowered before. Well, why not? That's all we seem to do is, is be able to lower the bar. Okay? Look at the market. It just never it never ceases to amaze me. Nobody wants look nobody wants to to buy uh nobody wants to buy quality anymore. You know, if you wanted if you wanted a go fast boat, you bought a cigarette, a fountain or a Donzi. Maybe a Baja. Yeah. Okay? All right? But that but cigarette was that was it. That was the main boat. That was it. That 38 scare uh the 38 cigarette. Okay? Man, all right. So let me let me let me break it down. But for now you. they now they blow it, you know. No, the thirty-eight race top, to the bottom. The thirty-eight Top Gun cigarette was yes. the coolest boat in most yes. macho muscle boat ever made, <clears throat> ever. And it was so cool that even the fishermen liked it. Yeah, it the image it was all just that was it. It was the best of the best. Yep. And then companies like Apache yeah. and um, you know Cougar Cat and all these like like. Soup like these dudes are crazy super speed, yeah. but the thirty-eight Top Gun was the boat that they that had. That was the king. They, no, but they had to make something better. Like yeah, that but was, it wasn't. That, that, no, that was the standard then. Yeah, it yeah. was so high. That was the bar. It, right. Yeah. And then they had to. They had to do that better was, than that. That's called the industry standard. Right. Yes. And now they're making jet skis. They're hanging out with wave runners. And they have wave runner gear. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, and it matches the friggin' yeah, car. Yeah, it matches the jet ski. Dude, a guy lost his... Life. No, he lost... <laughs> they don't report that. But he lost his orange glove. Well, he wanted to be like Mike. And he was already... <laughs> he had an orange glove <laughs> that matched his orange attire, life vest, and jet ski, and car. And it's crazy windy this week, and the and the glove is is floating away from the ramp, and you can see the anguish on the guy's face, like, oh my god, yeah, because it was a hundred dollar glove. Do jet ski gear, <clears throat> wave runner gear, yeah, more than the jet ski. You can buy a jet ski secondhand for next to nothing. <clears throat> it was one thing when a guy got on a jet ski because he wanted to have a good time with a girl or something, and he was trying to get to the second base. But this idea that being a jet ski rider is like being a friggin' jet skiing is a mental disorder. Yeah, but these guys are buying into jet ski riding like they're like Harley dudes or something. Yeah, but they're not. Okay, what they are is they are uh, they're souped up morons. That's what they are. Okay, they're souped up mental morons. They're mental midgets. If you see somebody that gets all dolled up in jet ski gear. Right. And he's sporting a piss out of his glove and his and his uh, his visor and he's got the 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 jacket on and he's got all the you know the whole thing the okay whole thing. the whole schmear all right he's got all of that going and this guy gets out on the bay and you see him run from one end of the channel to the other and then turns around and comes back just as fast as he possibly can what would you think about that he's not racing anybody he's just going as fast as he can and along the way. He's probably getting in the way of other boats. He might get stopped by the cop. It's okay. The whole... But then he goes right back to doing the same thing. It's not mentally. That's damn fool. That's what it is. Damn fool. That's the same guy when we were kids and we had bikes and we started figuring out how to do tricks. Okay. And we would like we'd do wheelies or we did, we'd set up ramps. Remember when we used to do that? Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. 
the same guy grew up and is a jet skier now. That's the same guy right there. He never lost it. He just found some, some other way to make a fool of himself. All right, so let me ask you this then. Hmm. Okay. Now, <clears throat> growing up, being a captain, yeah. uh, being mentored by other captains, right. being in the Marine world, the yeah. Marine industry, right. and just <clears throat> you know, being a very coastal community guy. Yeah, yeah. I was always taught, like you, was to always lend a helping hand and try to help people out in the absolutely intercoastal ocean, yeah. Yeah, wherever yeah. their boating was. Yeah. Now here in Broward Dade County, are you still with that one hundred percent of the time? Because I'm not. Um, it depends on where and why. Okay, for uh, I mean. First of all, jet skiers, forget it. They help their own. If somebody's in danger and they might lose their life, of course. I don't know. No, of course, because that's in the Bible. I mean, you're going to, you know, that's, you want to help that person. Now, you want to help the vast majority of all mariners out there. The majority. Vast majority. Majority. Well, used, to be, used to be the vast majority. Yeah. Anybody that has a jet boat, a jet engine, immediately you can pretty much guarantee that 90% of anybody that has a jet engine out there, I'm not helping. Uh, I'm going to say the only caveat to that is the guys that run big jet boats. Those big Pershings or those big Revis and I, stuff like that because there's a lot of things that can go wrong on a big jet boat. And so I'm that's... I'm not talking about that, Norm. Yeah. I'm not talking about <laughs> a friggin... Mangusta you're that's worth about, 200 talking, million bucks. You're talking I'm talking about jet skis. I'm talking about the people that finance their friggin' jet ski or their jet boat. How much of a the loser? Sea dudes, How much the dudes, the guys that are matching people. How I'm not helping them. Do you have to be to finance a jet ski? <laughs> Dude, it's never crossed. Could you, say, could you say that if you... I mean, is it fair to say that if you finance a jet ski, you have failed at life? That's what I grew up thinking or, you know, kind of like had the attitude. But, we, dude, we're the minority. People don't think like that anymore. People think that being able to have a jet ski, finance a jet ski, and have those gloves and all the gear and everything, that they've made it. If you finance a jet ski, do you finance all the gear? Like, is it a complete package? Do they have like a jet ski starter pack? You get cash back. You get cash back. Cash back. Like you finance you, So you ski. finance your own money. You finance that's a jet brilliant. ski, they give you a thousand bucks back, and then you can buy the gloves and everything. That's uh, that's brilliant. That's in the same financing office. Yes. Yeah, for for uh for fifteen percent interest. <laughs> I, all right. I I'm 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 done with jet ski talk. Thank you. I'm totally done with that. But uh Jet skiing is a mental disorder from start to finish. And by the way, before I get off the jet ski talk, the reason that I've made the decision that I wouldn't help 100% of the mariners out there yeah. is because a jet ski lady, double minority, okay, had this friggin' like really fancy jet ski at the 79th Street ramp the other day. Mm -hmm. And the wind's blowing like crazy, and her jet yeah. ski's blowing out, and my boat's blowing out. And I'm waiting for her, because she's sitting on the jet ski, to reach out and help me. Because oh, no, the boats no, no, are getting no, no. close. It's not going to happen. So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And of course, it didn't happen. And yeah. then... Did you, so you were expecting a jet skier to help you? Well, I just... Jesus to Jesus. Well, so I reached out, <laughs> and I touched her jet ski. Oh. Right. And she freaked out. Oh. 
she freaked out because I touched her jet ski. Right. Dude, I just... Oh, I, you touched another person's jet ski? And she, and she got a... She got Dude. A, she got offended. Dude. She got mad because I touched her jet ski. Well, I touched her jet ski so the boat wouldn't hit the jet ski. Oh, my God. Right. I can't believe you did that. And then I just... I just like, I started to explain to the lady, like, listen, you know, you want to help each other out here? And then I just kind of nodded my head and just looked at her and I said, lady. And then I quit. And yeah, I, no, you can't... Because it's like... Listen... Jet skiers at the ramp, it's like watching monkeys using tools for the first time. Dude, that's, just, that's great. That's a great analogy. Okay. That's I mean, that's what it is. Phenomenal. All right. Phenomenal. We're ending the jet ski talk on that. <laughs> More bites or less bites. Okay. Yeah. This is, I've been going over this. Bites? In, in my own head. Okay. Because, all right. So we're shrimp fishing for tarpon right now. Yeah. All right. Shrimps now, have been going crazy. Right. Oh. Shrimps are everywhere and the tarpon are eating the shrimps or whatever. Yeah. And... For years past, and if you looked at the old show I did with George Godson, Florida Sportsman, and yeah. we did the shrimp fishing thing, I used really light leader and really light hooks, and I was okay losing a ton of fish. Right, and you did. We did. Yeah. And, but we got tons of bites. Yeah. So my, my, my philosophy was, okay, you know, I don't mind losing more because I'm getting more bites. Well, that was, shit, 15 years ago. Yeah. My, 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 my thinking's changed a bit now. Okay. No, because I, I'm, I'm more in the client's head now. Because a client wants to do the fishing trip and go home with the trophy. They if, don't care how many bites they get as long as they get one or two fish. Well, they want to get they want to get a trophy yeah. fish. They want to get a quality fish. Yeah. And they, they really want the photo and they want the experience and they want to oh, be right. able to call their buddies and say, dude, look at this, you know. And if it's a 50, 80, 100, 150 pounder, it doesn't matter because to them and all their buddies, it's the biggest fish they ever caught. So now here I am way later in my guiding career, and I'm perfectly okay with less bites and more fish than more bites and less fish. I can swallow that now, and I think 90% of the time that that's really what the client would prefer also. I don't know... I'll tell you where this came up. The first time I ever really even experienced that concept was when I did a long-range trip on the West Coast back in 2000. California shit? Yes. Okay, I did 16 days. Mixing with the West Coasters. I did a 16-day long-range trip out of uh, San Diego on the Excel. And it was one of the most remarkable experiences of my entire life. And I learned ways of fishing that... I just never even dreamed existed and saw things that just blow your mind, you know. 200-pound yellowfin tunas skying on a dead squid hanging out of a kite. I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> so, at any rate, uh, the Wahoo guys. Wahoo guys. Okay, the Wahoo guys. There's Wahoo guys. Okay. And the Wahoo guys on the boat, uh, you know, the 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 crew of the boat, the captain and the and the deckhands were just fabulous guys. This guy Pat Cavanaugh and his brother Bill, and uh, they would do these seminars on the way down to the Rivajitos Islands. Okay, it, it took about four days to get down there, so they would do tackle seminars, and they would show you how they rig tackle. And they, you know, show you how to rig the, the the lures and you know wire everything. I mean, they basically take you right through the whole process. 
And then I started looking at some of the guys that and you can tell the guys that are a little bit more experienced or different types of guys. And I, was, I started seeing a bunch of these guys rigging completely different than the way the captain was telling them. Okay, straight tie, monos, maybe double lead, uh, double you know, double line, but tied straight to the no, to the jig no, or no the swivel. iron. No swivels, you know, none, none of that stuff. Okay, so they were going with the stealth approach, and I started talking to the, uh, a couple of these guys. One of them was Dennis Braid, Braid Products, the, the belts. Okay? Dennis Braid. Yeah, was on the boat. Guy okay, sounds and famous. He was the he was the he was the charter master. Okay, and. Uh, I said, Dennis, I said, what's with these guys rigging mono for Wahoo? Because I'd never seen that before. You know, being from over here, just I'd never seen anybody rigging mono on casting irons right. for Wahoo. I said, don't they just get bit off? He said, you would believe, you would not believe how few times that you do get bit off. But what's interesting is that you get more bites. And this goes to answer your question of... They get a lot more bites on mono than they do on wire, but they don't catch as many fish. Right. Okay. And so I, you know, I think it depends on the conditions. I I understand you're focused on your clients, and I get that too. Uh, I believe me, I get that. So, you know, it, it well, just depends. I kind of I kind of forgot about it to tell you the truth because it, it was an evolution. In what way are, have you changed up? In other words. You're fishing maybe a little bit heavier leaders. Yeah, heavier yeah. leaders and bigger hooks. And bigger hooks. Yeah, yeah, heavier leaders, bigger hooks. Now I know mm. I'm going to get less bites, but I'm going to get a lot of fish to the boat. And like for this week, for example. All right, so Jim took four out of the five days. And the guy, Skip, from Orlando, loves Skip. Yeah. Skip's a, like a big-time bass fisherman. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but he, he grew up on the New River. He really has some good stories. I love being around him. Anyway, Skip, he's a great client. God, you know. I just love my clientele list. Okay, I, I, anyway, so Skip comes down. He takes the other day. So I do five days this week. Yeah. Both both guys that came down to fish, Jim Hayes and Skip, both guys came down. And their goal was for their best fishing buddy to get that huge tarpon. Okay. Because they got them. And they yeah. wanted to experience, like, Skip had his bass buddy. Yeah, yeah. And Jim had his trout buddy from Texas. And he wanted them to get the big fish. Yeah. And one of them got a fish. And the one Grim took a picture of, I'm thinking it was 150 pounds. Skip and his buddy got a fish, 120 to 150 pounder. And then that probably wouldn't have happened. If you were using... Right. If I went for more... 50 pound and... Right. Yeah. And... Not not only did it make their fishing trip, the biggest fish of their life, they got their their big fish, yeah. and they might not have got that if I would have went the other the other direction. Now, if it's me and you out there, or say me and freshwater Rob or somebody that I'm fishing with all the time, and we don't mind jumping, you know, ten fish and only getting one or two. Okay, what you just said, the term jumping a tarpon. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's old school. You don't hear that. You don't hear that terminology too much anymore. That fired you right up. Okay. That absolutely fired me right up. Okay. okay. You don't hear that. That terminology started probably in the Keys. Okay. And their goal was not necessarily to catch a tarpon, but to see how many they could jump. Well, they had issues. Like, oh. they, they, like back then they had hook issues. <clears throat> 
Yeah, they break a lot of hooks. They break hooks. Yeah. They'd have to sharpen them all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like these hooks that come out of the box now that any idiot can put on and mm. hook a tarpon. Yeah, but but at any rate, their their whole thing back then, especially the fly tackle guys, the fly guys, their whole thing was to see how many tarpon, and they'd they'd go out there and if they jumped five or six tarpon in a you know on a tide or something like that, that they. They didn't measure the day in terms of how many they got to the boat. They measured them in terms of how many they jumped. Right. And you don't hear that anymore. Right. So when you said that, it just kind of brought all that rushing back. Because I remember a lot of these old school guides going, yeah, we jumped five or we jumped ten. Or whatever. Yeah. and, and, and I th- How many did you get to the boat? I don't even know. Well, <laughs> and, well like I said, in the, in the old days, with the way the hooks were and stuff, is jumping them. There's a lot more fish, and you lost a lot more, but, I mean, you know. So jumping them was a great way to kind of gauge how well your day went. Okay, and we shouldn't, should we not talk past the, the, the audience? What do you mean by jumping a tarpon? He grabs the bait, he jumps out of the water, he shakes the hook, kind of winks at you, and, and then, goes away. And, and then that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's not actually getting the fish to the boat. No, that's just jumping a tarpon. Yeah. And now... Let's say you fit, you fight a fish for 20, 30 minutes, and mm-hmm. then he jumps and you lose him. That's you lost a tarpon. You didn't jump a tarpon. No, you didn't jump that. You fish. lost that. You fish. lost that fish. And in today's, um, it's I, that initial maybe four or five minutes. That's it. Tops. Right, right. In today's world of the IGFA rules and everything, all you have to do is touch the knot to the rod tip, yep. and it's a catch. Yeah. And I think you're allowed a fifteen foot leader. Right. Now. All of us have taken oh, advantage of that. I'm you're going to get me fired up. No, all of us have taken advantage of that. About IGFA. I, I, I'm telling you right now. My leader, Absolutely. My leaders now are 10, 12 feet instead yeah. of 5 or 6 Those feet. Those are called Palm Beach leaders. Right. And and I let my clients hit, get the leader, and I tell them straight up. And this is my line, and I say it almost every trip. And I say, okay, IGFA says you caught that fish, but that don't do shit for your scrapbook. No. That's my line. Yep. And they kind of get it. But if they did lose that fish after that point, they count it. That's like those guys that are over there in Mag Bay, and they're recording ridiculous numbers of striped marlins. They found this huge biomass of striped marlins, so all these guys are going up there, and they're recording like 200 fish in a day. All right. Do you think they're actually catching 200 fish? By IGFA rules, they are. Do you think they're actually catching those fish? No. Yeah, whatever. It, the, the, no, the, because that's not the problem. The problem is, is everybody plays to a different standard. If that's your standard, you want to play with that group. It, it's kind of like the National Football League and then the Canadian Football League. And then the, this soccer league and that's a fungal, right? I'm just saying. I'm just going to make it simple. I'm, I'm okay getting less bites but more fish. Yeah, that's all right. I don't, I you know, personally... With, you know, I'm on the offshore side of things, so you have to really lower your standards when you're thinking about offshore fishing in Fort Lauderdale because there's just so few uh, days that you get that are really good. So, you know, I mean, I like, I, I, I even have clients. You, you have to set their expectations, and I guess that's really what you're talking about is is clients' expectations. Do you want to get more bites? Do you want to catch more fish? You know, and I th- I think if you get if if you get your clients if you get an idea of your clients' expectations, then you can figure out how to fish with them. Right. Yeah. And then and like I said, I I always I like I really value and appreciate my clientele list. 
these guys that I've been taking fishing shit changes and you yeah. change with them. And I'm going to give you a, a really great example. I have this one guy, um, Blake, mm-hmm. and he comes down from Maryland right. and he's a hardworking son of a bitch. And I've been taking him fishing for 15 years or better. Well, now he's got a son. There you go. That's eight, nine years old. Yeah. And we, he had to cancel the trip for some personal reasons, but he wanted to get the son out. Right. Now, I knew damn well that the trip was going to change from taking Blake, because now Blake's goal is for his son. Son, yeah. And I mean, a totally different game plan. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and that's what I mean. Everything's in, um, but having the clients and growing and evolving with your clients. Absolutely. Is really, I don't know. I just don't think most guides appreciate it enough and pay attention to it enough. I don't know. I, I think there's a big difference between the offshore guys and the inshore guys. I think the inshore guys have a better relationship with their clients than the offshore guys do. Oh, for sure. And I think that's got a lot to do with why somebody would even fish offshore in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Most of the people that do it that come down here, they're not really here to fish. They're here to go to the hotel or they're here to go to the beach or maybe they're, you know, pre gaming a cruise or a or a, or a you know, a football game or something like that. And they say, Oh, you know what? Or maybe they're here for a meeting or an event. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know what? Let's go offshore. We've never been offshore. And then it's like a one-time bucket list kind of thing. Well, it's... But you have repeat clients. I have some repeat clients, but well, it's well, nowhere think, near as many as the inshore guys. And I think there's a difference between being a guide and being a charter captain. I also believe that the offshore guys are under a category of deep sea fishing. Yeah. And people don't even know what that means, but they want to do it. Right. And that makes it really hard yeah. for the offshore guys. So, therefore, they can't be specialized, customized. And that's why they're not a guide. Right. Well, you know what, though? I'll I tell you, here's the difference between... I, but I think offshore guys can be guides. A guide is somebody who teaches you along the way. Yeah. Okay? That makes you grow better as an angler. And I learned that lesson the hard way one time uh i was fishing steve uh waters old steve waters Waters, yeah and uh i I fished him and uh pat from shenanigans um and uh they came out fishing with us and it was really slow we caught one dolphin on the troll uh found a pallet or something floating on the way back in and i picked up a spinning rod and fired it at the pallet Immediately hooked a dolphin and I handed the rod off to Steve and he caught the fish. Come to find out later that he was pissed that I did that. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was not happy with me because he is an, is, is an angler. Okay. I hooked that fish for him and he was upset that I did that. Now... Nine out of ten charter captains don't think like that. Right. Okay? This guy was there for the fishing experience. And I robbed him of that experience. And not, I mean, not for nothing, I wanted the guy to catch a fish. But, you know, again, I I wasn't set up in that, you know, a guide will just hand you a rod and say, here, fire at 10 o'clock. 
That's what a guide does. A guide will teach you why. A guide will, you know, uh, let you experience the entire thing. Uh, and that's, that's the difference between a guide and a charter captain. A charter captain will set the baits, have the mate set the baits, whatever it is, and then hand the rod off. And, and unless he knows that the angler is really qualified and can handle the gear. Well, Steve Waters, that's a different story. That guy was, you know, on a lot of boats, had a lot of opportunities. Yeah. He had some expectations. And speaking of Steve Waters, there's not too many guys like Steve Waters. That Steve guy, is a different guy. Yeah, he's definitely a different guy. But, but think about it. He dude. reported on fishing in South Florida yeah. for 35 years, maybe? Something and, like that? And I should have thought about that because I didn't even think about who I had on the boat. Right. Okay. So that's my bad, but I, I, since that time, I've tried to become a little bit more of a guide to my anglers rather than just, and just the so, rod and wine. Right, and just so we're not talking past the audience, Steve Waters was a sports writer for the Sun Sentinel here in Fort Lauderdale during the glory days of being a news writer. He still is, isn't he? I don't think so. Huh? Okay. I don't think so. Okay. And, but I think that's just recent. But he had the yeah. longest run. He fished with so many different people. My... Uh, coolest experience with Steve Waters was I was doing a charity event where I was able to take out Hall of Famer Andre Ooh. Dawson, the yeah, baseball yeah, yeah. player. Yeah. And Waters was on the boat doing the coverage for Sun Sentinel and we yeah. had a young kid that won this thing and we caught him a dolphin and he was really happy and all that kind of thing. But anyway, Waters was on the boat. Um, I knew Waters a long time because Waters was buddies with Tommy. Yeah. But that was the disconnect because I would only talk to Tommy and never talk to Waters. Right. Waters would be like, oh, give me a report or whatever. And I never really talked to Waters. I'd give Tommy the report. Tommy would give Waters the report. He'd put it in the paper. Everything was fine. But I never really got a relationship with him until the day that we were all out on the Envy. Yeah, yeah. A boat that I uh, put together just for that kind of fishing. Right. And um, Waters that was and the Tom Bertram? That was, yeah, the Bertram, 31 Bertram. 1968, 31 Bertram, the Envy, the Nicole Victoria. Yeah, yeah. With Waters, <clears throat> I would love to get that guy on the podcast because I had a lot of gratitude for him over the years. And the reason I say that is because uh, through Tommy, all those reports and everything. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. definitely have, he would definitely... He would definitely have, it would make it interesting, that's for sure. He knows a lot of shit that, and has a, has a, a different way of thinking about the sport fishing world than most. Uh, yeah. But anyway, Steve Waters. Speaking of Steve Waters and things like that, what's your take on the whole podcast guest thing? Podcast guest thing? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, like. You've got some, you've had some really good guests. Right, I had some great guests. Yeah. And, um. Some of them are drier than others, and some of them are really fantastic. Well, you never know how they're going to yeah. come out in conversation. But right. my, my thing is, is um, and I guess you just do it all. You do whatever you want because it's your podcast. But podcast guests, there's, there's times where you think you're going to have a guest that's going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. But more times than not, it's the person that you have no clue that's going to knock it out of the park that knocks it out of the park. Yeah, right. The guest that knocked it out of the park... Kristen, oh, she always knocked. She it out was of the great. Part. She's always great. That was great, gay girl. But um, I knew Kristen was going to be good because yeah. I knew her forever. I think you should get Darcy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I, I think you should Darcy. get Darcy. It's time. I think it's time for a, like a head to head, 
I think you should get Darcy. <laughs> that's a, that's a good one. I think we're gonna do that. But the um, the guest that I thought she'll never accept it. Yeah, she will. She's, you think she's great? You Don't think? let her kid you. Don't let her kid you. Eh, go back and forth. And most of the go back and forth with Darcy is with the real guy Lunker Club. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah, but you're lumped in with that. I know, but she, <laughs> and she knows is my point. Yeah, yeah. But the um, going back to the guest thing, that the guest that knocked it out of the park was Dave Marciano. I've not listened to that one. You didn't. Oh, you got to listen. I to don't it. think I've ever. I, I didn't even know that you did one. Yeah, I did. I did one with Dave Marciano. Oh, I gotta look it up. Yeah, you gotta look it up. He, and he knocked it out of the park. Well, Dave's, and that a, was a, Dave's uh, a guy. I mean, Dave's, well, Dave's a real guy. Yeah, but it's you know, John Tedder's a real guy. Yeah. He knocked it out of the park. I thought so. You know who? You know? You know? All right. He's probably he's gonna kill me for this, but you know who I want so bad to do a podcast in here mm. that I know will be good. Who? Mitchell Vitale. He's never done one? He's never done one, and he's nervous to do one. And if he did one, people would dig it. Yeah. Between his, I could see that. Well, between his fishing yeah. stories and all the tournament fishing that he did, and then him being so passionate and like not holding back and yelling at the mayor and getting mad at the commissioners and just being Mitchell. i tell you, I, I'm going to tell you who I think you should get. Who's that? Gary Krebs. You know Julie Krebs, the bait girl. Oh, yeah. Okay, she sells the pilchards. Oh, Gary. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, Gary Krebs is uh, Gary Krebs is probably one of the best, or used to be, one of the best um, fishermen in Fort Lauderdale. He's one of the best I've ever fished with. And he is old, as old school as it, as it gets. Old school Fort Lauderdale, old school Miami, you know, native born. And, I mean, he could tell you, he, he's always telling me great stories about how it used to be. And, uh, I mean, and, this is a guy that you want on a podcast. And I got to tell you, the truth is I can't remember being out on my boat without remembering Gary. Yeah. Ever since I was a kid. I mean. Oh, that's, a great, that's a great idea. Gary Krebs would be, and I don't know if he would come on and do it. But he is, he's, uh, he's really a great, he's really a great character for something like this. No, I, think I mean, he, I think he would absolutely knock it out of the park. And I think you got to get, uh, um, Kroka. I would like to get Mark Kroka. I'll, I'll, I'll drive up to, I'll drive up to, or down to the Keys to get Kroka in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And I think if I reached out to him, I think he'd do it. I think so too. Only because... I think he knows that we kind of picked up where he left off down here in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. And um, it'd be really interesting to get him on the podcast. I ran into the guy who installed the tow rail and refinished the finest kind. And what year did he do this? This was, it's okay. So I know that it's a 78, right? The boat is a 77. 77. Okay. Well, he, he, he was delivering uh, a yacht to a ship. They were shipping the yacht out of the country. And he looks at me and he goes, where'd you get that boat from? And I told him, I said, I bought it in the Keys. And he goes, that's a Scarborough, isn't it? I said, yeah. He says, you're not going to believe this, but I was the one that rebuilt that boat. Because it had some hurricane damage in 2006, I guess it was. And he had all this history about the boat. So he knew your boat. 
he he rebuilt the boat. He rebuilt. He refinished uh, the hull. And he put the tow rail on. And he put the tow rail and the transom on. So he was the he original was, tow rail guy for that boat. He's the original tow rail guy for the boat. And I almost fell over. And I learned some things about the boat that I didn't know before. I was under the uh, I was under the impression that the, that the boat was rebuilt in 2009. It was not. It was damaged in a hurricane in 2006. And the guy who owned it was this guy. He bought it for next to nothing because it had hurricane damage. This guy, Andy Besselow, in in South Carolina. And this guy was kind of like an old crotchety dude. And he did, it was pretty cheap. And, and uh, <laughs> he took the boat to... He was friends with Donnie Kaysen. Donnie Kaysen Yachts. Kaysen Yachts. They, they built, they're like Scarboroughs and Spencers. They built big Carolina boats. So the boat sat there at Case and Yacht, and in 2008, when the when the uh, when the crash happened, right? When the market fell out and everybody stopped, that was the uh, banking crisis, right? Right. When the boat was sitting in the yard, and Andy would basically trade beer for work in the yard on the boat. So my boat was basically built on beer trade. Nice. Okay. Kind of like a Fort Lauderdale Beach. A few, a few bucks. Okay. A few bucks thrown at him here and there. Everybody in the yard hated this guy that owned the boat. Couldn't stand him. And but he, you know he he they'd made some slow progress with the boat. And this guy Kevin Bell uh, was the guy who who I met. And he's and he repainted the boat. They had a whole bunch of paint that was just sitting there. Uh, Alex Seal. Uh, they got a big deal on 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 that paint from uh, Alex Seal, so there's a whole bunch of Fighting Lady Yellow. So they painted the boat Fighting Lady Yellow for next to nothing. They put the tow rail on there. They put the teak transom on there, and uh, they refinished the boat. Boat history. Yeah, I thought it was a Jarrett Bay rebuild, but it was actually Donna Kaysen's boat. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. You never know what you're gonna learn. Yeah, pretty cool. It is really cool. So that's friggin' new wealth of information. I, I was I was stunned. I was blown away. Hmm. I was really blown away by it. You want to hear something kind of weird? Go ahead. And I think I want to do this. Mm. You're going to think I'm, like, not normal for me? Well, I don't think you're all that normal in the first place. So it's not much of a reach. Right. But uh, trivia. Everybody does trivia on their podcast. Did you know how much people like trivia? My father was masterful at trivia. What is up with that? He smoked trivia pursuit. I don't have that in my. I don't. Oh. Ha, I don't have that in my noggin. I'm not a trivia guy. No, I'm not either. But there, but people love doing trivia. I was thinking for the Real Guy podcast between me, you, four-time Happy Bait champion Tim O'Connor and Busaka. Yeah, we could do a good trivia episode once a month on the Real Guy podcast. I think that would be. Great. I think that would be funny. <laughs> I mean, dude, other guys are doing trivia. You know who would smoke it? Who? Lamont. But I think Lamont would be the best producer for a trivia. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I don't think I can get him involved, but I think I can get him to come up with the questions, the answers, the guests, <clears throat> no doubt. and all that kind of thing. No doubt. So I'm thinking trivia, Norm. Yeah. And you like to kick knowledge on the audience here. Every here. once in a while. 
You know what I mean? And what limited knowledge I have. Well, the good thing about you is the limited knowledge you have. You're not afraid. To, you're not afraid to share that. No, either. no, no. I'll throw it right out there. I mean, you got crass straws. I think that's part. I think that's part of being a real guy. You know, you're not afraid. No, See, I'm, I'm afraid. perfectly comfortable with what I know and what I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> and I'll let you know that I don't know. Being in the peak of the season. Before, mm-hmm. before we get off, is there anything like the crazy shit that you've seen in the last 10 days? Because I wrote down a list of the crazy shit that fucking has went on in the last few trips. Okay. Go ahead. The first, there was a Russian down in North Miami. Yeah. He was riding around in a million dollar Boston whaler. Mm-hmm. And we were fighting a fish and he came close to me. I didn't yell at him. I didn't do yeah. anything. Yeah. He got mad at me for right. fighting a fish and yelled at the top yeah. of his lung and cursed at me and told me he was calling the Coast Guard because you're not allowed to fish in the intercoastal. Ah, good. That's good. So that was one. Yeah. <laughs> the jet ski lady that I already talked about. Yeah, they got mad. Yeah, that was yeah. The, that was two. And three was the look on my poor client Skip's face, who actually did 79th Street with me, who grew up here in the 60s. Right. And is just trying to put it all together. <laughs> but being being that the wind was blowing twenty to thirty miles an hour yeah. all week, and being down there in Miami, you got anything to add to the craziest shit of the week? I'm I'm stemming the current. I'm waiting for the bridge. I got the current screaming on my stern. Wind's blowing. Wind's howling twenty to thirty, like you said. And a guy in a grady white comes by me, within. 10 feet and he's yelling at me okay he's got the whole bay right right okay um it's little stuff like that but what i've noticed in the past this is sort of going the other way not the ridiculous but what do you call it the sublime i don't know where there's no jet skis allowed anymore in in venetian marina which used to be seattle marina right they Banned them. There's a big sign that says, no jet skis. Fantastic. That's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Okay? Definitely. And that's the kind of thing that can catch on. And I, I love it. So you're going to go and you're going to buy your jet ski or your new cigarette jet ski and you're going to get all dolled up. But you're not going to find any place that's going to sell you fuel. Yeah, they do that all through the keys. They discourage yeah, selling fuel to the jet ski people, which I t- I kind of like. Did, I, I was watching one of these friggin' uh, cop programs, mm. and I think it's called Lone Star State or whatever, and mm. it shows a bunch of game wardens down there in Texas. Well, this is on the Animal Planet. It's uh, it's on one of the. It know, was on the Animal Planet. My dog is fixated on it. So, <laughs> me too. So in the Lone Star State in Texas, with the jet skiers, yeah. is. They have areas that the jet skis have to go as slow as the vehicle can go. And then there's a few areas where you're allowed to use the jet ski however you like it. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so obviously they're having jet ski issues in Texas, but at least in Texas, they're getting ahead of the jet ski issues. And what we're doing here in Biscayne Bay is we're putting ourselves further behind. They have jet ski storage at Hullover Marina now. They have jet ski... Um, Fire. Oh, I'm sorry. Pontoon boats. <clears throat> so the businesses aren't allowed to run jet skis out of the ramp. No. But they're allowed to get a 
pontoon boat and anchor up in the middle of the bay and run a jet ski business mm-hmm. in the middle of the bay. Sure. Oh yeah, and they do it all the time. And if we simply yep. if we simply made rules like they did in Texas of where you can jet ski and where you can't, I mean, it would no. it would totally crush it. No, it but wouldn't. here in Florida, it wouldn't. They're so irresponsible. Nope. And have no um, respect for the environment or the waterways or the law or the law or for the that law. matter or the law. But they can. Miami's make, a sewer. Dude, Fort Lauderdale is trying to compete to be worse. It's true. It, they are competing. They'll never get there. They are working hard at. They will at, never. They're working get there. hard at achieving the goal. I get. I get such a bang out of all these people that complain about boat lakes and 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 uh, reckless operators in Fort Lauderdale. I can't even say on this podcast what I would want to say. Okay, you can edit it out, but I'm not going to do it. It's just like, hold my beer. Okay, the 305 says to the 954, hold my beer. You know why? Because they have down there one thing that we don't have here. One is a very large body of water. Okay, and the other thing they have down there is they have this mix, this conglomeration of cultures in Miami and it's all shit <laughs> that just stirs up in select areas like the Miami Marine Stadium. They should close that place down. They should close that they place. They should down. close it down. I think this goes I think this, this All these people, they come from all over the world no, and, this, and they don't care. Your Russian is a perfect example. Right. There's there used to be a term I think they called it assimilation or whatever. But that's when the immigrants would come to the... Assimilate. Assimilate. Yeah. We don't believe in that anymore. You it's can a just come for you. you can, right, I am working at it. The, um, that's not even like a thing anymore. It's like... No. The, like, like, if the simulation was happening, that lady at the ramp would have been okay with me touching her jet ski. If the simulation was happening, the Russian wouldn't be yelling at me about fishing in the intercoastal. No. If the simulation... You see what I'm going Yeah, if they were trying this? to assimilate to our So all the culture, culture, all the culture through the United States is getting pissed on. Oh, absolutely. It's and getting that's, pissed on. That, that's why I call... That's exactly why I call Miami the prettiest sewer in the country. Fort it's La- a sewer. And Fort Lauderdale is trying to catch up as fast as he can. Yeah. Speaking of sewers, did you see the freaking sewage spill? Dude. At the downtowner, right in the street. Right in the street. Going right in the drain. People are ordering right sh- And people are eating right eating next right to there. it. Eating right there. I mean, how do you not come in there with a hazmat, close everything down, and just, you know. Well, it could be because, God forbid, somebody not, might not make a buck. Which means they can't pay the tax. Which means the freaking oh, don't get me started, Norm. Thanks for coming in on the Real Guy Podcast. We're gonna end it here, and we'll pick it up later. Yeah, I appreciate it. Run that dog. Run that dog. <laughs> <laughs>